Welcome to Livelihood, providing tactical and practical tips for women who work. I'm Britt Larson, your host. I'm so excited to be welcoming Julie Diavedo Hanks with me today on the Livelihood Podcast. I am fangirling majorly because I have followed her work and her writing for many years now and am so honored that she's taken the time to join the Livelihood Podcast. So thank you and welcome, Julie. Thank you, Britt. This is really fun to be with you. I am really passionate about partnership marriages and families and cannot wait for you to talk to us about the practical application of this idea of really making sure that we have partnerships in our families and in our homes. But before we jump into that, I would love for you to tell the livelihood community about yourself if they're not aware and your career. Sure. Um, I'm a wife and mother of four. I'm a therapist and owner of Wasatch Family Therapy. I'm an author and writer and blogger and a singer-songwriter. That's all. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And tell us a little bit about your career journey. My musical career and my my therapy career kind of happened at the same time while having children. And that's, you know, I've had to create a partnership family in order to achieve my dreams and support my husband and my kids in achieving their dreams. So we had to figure out a different model uh, because, you know, the traditional model is the the mom, the wife supports the husband's career and the kids' activities. And we had to figure out a different way. And so that's kind of where my passion for partnership families comes from. So my family and my music career and my therapy career all grew together in this uh, tapestry. And um, here I am today. I've been a therapist for almost 25 years, singer-songwriter for 35 and married for 30. So I've been a parent for 28 years. That is incredible. And, you know, as someone who, you know, I'm in my early thirties, this is something that's talked a lot about now. You know, we, before we started recording, we were talking about how this is a relevant news story that we're seeing daily. I mean, if we really looked at all the different forums and, and people are talking about it, but when you really started this journey, that that wasn't the case, right? I mean, right, right. That wasn't normal. So, like you said, you had to completely forge your own path that wasn't traditional. Yeah, I didn't have role models of the kind of family life that I wanted. And so we had to hammer it out painfully together. And we've we've come to a really good place, I'm happy to say. Well, that's so encouraging as someone who doesn't have kids yet, because it's so nice to know that it's possible, that it's, I can hear it in your voice. It's hard. You know, it's not something that just happens overnight. You kind of have to fight for it, Um, but that it's possible. That's really reassuring to hear. So why don't you tell us what your definition of a, a partnership family is? Yeah, my definition is a family that all supports each other, that all contributes to family life, to household chores, that all contribute to caregiving, taking care of each other, and all contribute to the welfare of the family. And so partnership family is a family that supports 
everyone's aspirations, not just the husband and the children. I love that. And I wasn't planning on asking you this, but as I heard that definition, what what's different about that? I mean, is it that the mother's included? How is this different than a traditional family? What are the things that you kind of are up against when you are trying to build a partnership family? Yeah, the traditional family, the the wife and mother's role is the support role. And there's no one assigned to support her. And in a partnership family, the support is spread out and and the, the wife and mother get, get support too. I love that. And it just sounds so much more sustainable too, you know? Mm-hmm. That everyone supporting each other just feels so much more productive and valuable for everyone. Yeah. It, it's easy to talk about though and really hard to create because of our default mode of just assuming the traditional roles of the husband's going to be the provider and the wife's going to be homemaker. And even in 2019, those traditions run deep. Um, even in, in families where two, where, where both partners work full time, women do the majority of childcare and household labor still, and the majority of emotional labor. Absolutely. And it feels like I read about that daily. And so that's why I really want to focus and on livelihood in general. I focus so much on the tactical and the practical because ain't nobody got time to just talk about the problem. And like you said, I'm really glad that you're acknowledging that it's not easy and it's going to take a total shift in how you're thinking. Yeah. And, and the shift is usually sparked by the female. If there's a female in the relationship, it's sparked by her because she's the one that has motivation to change it. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like most change is sparked by females. (laughs) Not to put our, our male counterparts down, but I feel like in my corporate career, that's always been true and my marriage. The world is set up to support men more than it's set up to support women. And so (laughs) women are the ones who have been shortchanged in terms of, of family, uh, you know, practical support in family life. Absolutely. So how can we share household responsibilities in our home and build a partnership family if we don't feel like we have it now? Yeah, I think having a conversation and saying, look, things need to shift around here. This is what I'm envisioning. This is what I'd like to create together. Um, and get everybody on board. The second thing is to change language. So it's not my child, it's our child. It's not my house, it's our house. It's not, thanks for helping me do the dishes. They're not my dishes, they're the family dishes. They're So using our language instead of mine. Yeah, and we don't use the word help, like help mom do whatever, or my husband helps me. He doesn't help me, he takes care of the kids. He does the laundry, but it's our family's laundry. (laughs) So changing the language is really um, an important part of creating partnership. And I love that you said it has to start with a conversation. I think, you know, if this wasn't an expectation, either going into your relationship or your marriage, and you need to have that conversation, it's obviously, that's difficult, because it's a big change. But I think even those of us and I may be projecting, but I feel like 
it was very clear from day one and even dating my husband that this is the kind of relationship we'd have and therefore the kind of marriage we'd have. But we constantly have to talk Mm -hmm. about it. We have to check in and say, hey, it feels like I'm not helping you enough. I shouldn't say help, right? I'm helping your family. (laughs) Right? Because helping you means that it's your job. It's all your job. So it's the language is really um, ingrained. I just said that without even thinking. So that's. I know. We all do it. We all do it. And when people have children, or if couples have Mm -hmm. children, it's even trickier because the default mode of the the mom is in charge of the kids really kicks Absolutely. in. And I think that, like you said, because it is so ingrained, it can make it hard to, to bring that up, especially in a relationship where you feel like, you know, your husband is doing a lot to help. Um, I know when I first got married, that was super hard for me. My husband does our laundry and I love that, but we still have to talk about all of this. And I think just accepting that it's a normal part of your relationship that's been hard for me. Just though you kind of have to talk about it constantly. You kind of have to check in frequently, just like any partnership. I mean, I have to do that yeah. at work, right? You have to just, it's something you're always working on. I don't know if that's something that, that you believe, or maybe I'm just not doing well, it right. Like it's been a <laughs> constant conversation for 30 years in my marriage. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> it's always evolving. Depending right. on who's doing what in the community and who's has the flexible job, and you know, it's just always changing. That makes a lot of sense, and it's reassuring because, yeah, like you said, depending on the season of your life, your partnership may look different, and, and maybe it's right. skewed slightly towards more of one partner doing something, and then it goes back, and you try and make it more equal. Right, and and partnership families is not about everybody splitting everything in half. It's about everyone's contributions being valued equally. So say you have a very traditional, like the wife takes care of the home and family, the husband takes care of um, providing financially. As long as both people's contributions are equally valued and the husband doesn't have all the power because he makes the money, which devalues the unpaid work the wife's doing, right? It's about valuing everyone's contribution, not necessarily about splitting everything in half. I'm really glad you added that because when I read these articles, it often feels like the focus is on that 50-50 split and that's just not reality. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. I think it's something to shoot for because we've been so out of balance. We need some place to kind of target, but it's really um, one of the, the problems or the difficulties in creating a partnership family is the devaluation of caregiving that unpaid work is not valued as productive work in our society. And so therefore in the family structure, it disempowers the person who's doing the bulk of that work. And so revaluing that and placing it as equal to paid work is part of our job in creating partnership families. Wow. That's, that's so powerful. And it just makes me feel like I need to shift my paradigm even more. (laughs) I, I have a lot to work on and how I talk about all of this. So thank you. We were talking about this article that came out in the New York Times a few days ago, What Good Dads Get Away With. And 
uh, obviously very pertinent to this uh, topic. And I was just curious if you had any thoughts about, you know, what you've read in this article and just the conversation that's happening on a larger scale. Yeah, no, there was nothing new in this article, um, except that it says yet at this rate, well, it'll be another 75 years before men do half of the work. So we're, we're heading in a good direction, but not nearly fast enough. So I thought that was really interesting and depressing, right? And the, the article talked about this male resistance to, to taking on more at home and that it's often the progressive couples where a partner resists taking on equal responsibility for household chores and, and childcare. Well, as you said that it has made me think, and this is obviously totally anecdotal, but that, you know, your sons, you have sons, right? Yeah. Um, are being raised very differently than their father just by when they were born and who you are. And I feel like as we raise children that see this and expect yeah. it, I mean, yeah, like you said, it could be 75 years, but I hope that that helps that, you know, the very traditional family almost becomes something that people don't remember. I don't know if that's helpful. But again, it's, it's not, it's about valuing everyone. Right. Instead of ranking money above everything else. So, or that being a stay-at-home mother and doing that full-time isn't valuable. That's not the tradition we want to... We want to, to revalue that and put it as equal to paid work. If that, so if that's, what, if that's what a couple decides is their partnership, that's great. As, as long as everyone's contribution is equally valued and they both have a say in how money is spent and how decisions are made and... Right. That's an, that's a partnership. Absolutely. And that's a good reminder to me because I often highlight on livelihood really amazing and obvious examples of what I call a partnership marriage of, you know, two entrepreneurs. And you see that because they're sharing about it on social media. But it's a good reminder that two people don't have to be creating this over the top successful business to be a partnership marriage. They just have to see each other as equally valuable. That's that's really powerful. And it's not about who does what. It's about who decides who does what. Wow. Yeah. You know, because some, some women I've, I've worked with in my therapy practice would say things like, well, my husband won't let me. It's like, what? What? Right? So he's, he's the one deciding who does what. That's not okay. That's not a partnership. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Oh, I bet sometimes you have a hard time hearing what women have to deal with, but yeah. I bet it's so rewarding to see them work through that. Yeah, it, it definitely is. So what advice do you have for women who are just overwhelmed by all of this, of the constant questions we get about balance and taking care of their home and work and just thinking there's no way I'm ever going to have a partnership? Say the idea of a partnership marriage feels really far off for a woman who is working full time and also has the other responsibilities of just living, whether it be children or taking care of a home, where do you tell them to start? Yeah. Having the hard conversation, uh, making lists of who does what. So it's, it's visual 
including who's tracking what, who's tracking the kids' activities or the birthdays or extended family birthdays or, you know, doctor's appointments, um, who's doing what and how many hours a day are they doing paid work and try to even that out. So if they're both doing 40 hours a week of paid work, they should be doing 50-50 of all the other stuff, right? They're, I mean, or have that be the goal because if they're both splitting the providing, then, you know, that's equitable to split everything else. So write it down because a lot of, a lot of women and, and men weren't trained to see the work that women do. It's just assumed mm-hmm. that women will do it. And so you really want to get it in black and white, so you can look at it and say, wait, now, does this feel balanced? I like the word balanced more than fair, because fair, you can get like, well, that's not fair. But it's like, <laughs> is, is the load balanced between the two parties? That's really important because I think that often, because we're women and this is obviously a stereotype, but I do this, I assume my husband knows how much work it is to track our family's birthdays. But if I don't tell him that I'm doing it and that I'm sending cards and buying gifts and he's not aware, that's on me to communicate and it's on us to create that balance. Right. It's okay to say, look, I need you to acknowledge that I've been, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. Like, for example, at Christmas time, one year, I basically did most of the the shopping and my husband was really appreciative. Like, thank you. I know you've taken on the bulk of the shopping this year and make, thank you for making the holiday fun for the kids. And thanks for getting the stockings ready. And like, it was, it mattered to him. And that makes all the difference. If, if your contribution is valued and recognized (laughs) it, you know, that's huge. Yeah. And it wasn't just like, well, that's just what you are supposed to do. So, you know, why should I? It's not expected. Right, right. Well, as you said that, it made me think about as a manager that I like to applaud and call out when people are doing their jobs, not just doing them well, but when they're doing their jobs. And we have that same responsibility to our partners. And when everyone knows what their job is and the ownership is, like you said, more balanced, then it's easier to do that. It's easier to recognize when people are supporting you. Yeah. Another thought that I have related to this is that after you make a list of the things that need to be done, ask your partner, what are you willing to take responsibility for from this list? So it's not because a lot of husbands will say, well, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. That's more work (laughs) for the woman to track and tell everybody what to do. So what will you take responsibility for? For example, my husband takes responsibility for grocery shopping and for the bulk of meal planning. That's awesome. And, and he does, you know, a lot of laundry. So those are things that he just takes on. I don't have to go, Hey, did you remember to go grocery shopping? Did you remember to do the laundry? I don't ever say a word. He's just like, Oh, here, here's the plan for Sunday dinner. And I'm going to go to Costco and, right? It's he owns it. Uh (laughs) And that makes all the difference. So it's, it's not that he's helping me by going grocery shopping. That's his, that's his contribution to our family life. Do you ever struggle or do you hear about your 
patients or clients who struggle with, okay, I gave him ownership of the meal planning, but it's not what I wanted, or now I have to relinquish control. You just made me think of that. Yes. I, yes, I think that is can be really hard for women because we've been trained to have our identity tied to certain aspects of family life. So it's actually a threat to our identity when things aren't done a certain way. And that's the work that women need to do to untangle that and go, you know what? I'm not my house. I'm not the meals that my family eats. Those aren't me. (laughs) It's, you know, those are, those are ways that, that we're taking care of our family. Now the, the men can also step up and not play, you know, well, I don't know how to cook. I mean, if you have Google, you can learn how to cook. You can, I mean, there's no excuse for an adult to say, I can't make something right. right? There's no, it's, it takes both. It takes the men stepping up and it takes the women holding back and relinquishing control. And you know what? It may not be what everything that you would want, uh, or it's not as healthy as I would like a lot of times he'll buy stuff. I'm like, Oh, I would, I wouldn't buy that, but it's not my thing. And I can go buy the things that I want if, if, you know, if he doesn't buy them, but I have to let go of control. I think that's a great reminder that I learned on Sunday. We had my family over for Mother's Day and my husband made dinner. And at first I felt kind of guilty or like you said, so much of my identity. I know. And it was Mother's Day. You felt guilty on Mother's Day? I'm crazy. But like you said, so much of my identity is tied up into hosting. I love hosting. And then I just flipped the script in my head. How amazing is it that I had this husband who hosted my whole family and did everything himself and he wasn't helping me. We just, we each have our ownership of the the parts of our relationship and he wanted to That's do it. That's awesome. So. My, my husband and kids did, well, my husband does a lot of Sunday plans of Sunday dinners, but he, he, um, cooked it and he baked cakes and had all of our extended family over. <laughs> like it was awesome. Wow. That's so cool. And it's, I'm sad that I'm, in all of that, no but... guilt and just just gratitude. Good. That's good. I need to remember <laughs> that. So, why do you feel so called to speak about this? Why do you think this, you know, this very specific aspect of life it's it's become a huge part of who you are? Yeah, I think it's because I experienced a mom growing up who didn't have personal power. And there, there is a power imbalance in their relationship. And I perceived my mom as not having a lot of options. And I knew as a young girl that that would not work for me and my personality, that I had to figure out another way. And so I have set about trying to figure out, is there a way to be a really dedicated mom with a great family and have a full, rich, meaningful, creative life and professional life and educational pursuits and, you know, friendships and, you know, a life that doesn't entirely revolve around my family, but I have a really good family. And so that's been my quest. Like, is that even possible? You know, so I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. So what do you say? Is it? 
I, so far, so good. <laughs> I like so that. So far, answer. so good. I have, I love my family. They love me. They support me. I support them. You know, we, we have a, a good partnership. So, so far, so good. <laughs> well, whenever I see what you've written about this, I can tell that you love and adore your children. Oh, I do. And that you also have other things that you care about. And that makes you a better mom too. And I, I love that you recognize that your mom's path wasn't for you and you did something about it. That's so amazing. Thank you. And that's really, honestly, that's why I started Livelihood because I felt like there were lots of discussions about careers, you know, how to get a raise, how to navigate the corporate ladder, how to, you know, do the things that you talk about in, in college of getting promoted and things like that. And then separately Mm -hmm. communities talking about being a mother or worrying about the things that come, like you said, that are just innate in us as women or are taught to us, but not a blend of the two. And so I try really hard on livelihood to talk about life, that it's, this is your life, your career should be part of a fulfilling life. And you just, you personify that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. My work is not my life and my family's not my life. My life is my life <laughs> and yeah. they, they're all aspects of it. Right. Right. Really important aspects. But you know, it almost feels like bad mom to say my life does not entirely revolve around my kids. They sometimes have to revolve around me right. and my schedule. You know? And that's Okay. Well, honestly, it probably will help them be stronger adults and more well-rounded that they've seen that from you. Um, yeah, because I hope so. I, hope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had one of those payday moments as a parent a few years ago. My daughter, who was then about you know early 20s, maybe 22, uh-huh. she said to me, you know, mom, I realize I'm the only person I know who has a mom they want to be like when they grow up. Oh, and I burst into tears. I was like, that's been my goal my entire life. Oh, <laughs> me chills. That is so amazing. That was one of those big paydays where it was like, really, that's been my goal is to model a fun, meaningful, rich, uh, you know, adult life for my daughters. Right. So they decided to grow up instead of like, oh, you know, that doesn't look fun. Right. Right. Oh, my gosh. That had to be so, so fulfilling to hear that. Oh, my goodness. It was I still get teary to, talking about it because it's just, you know, that mean it just meant everything to me. That's so amazing. And I was lucky enough to be raised by a woman who found her calling outside of motherhood and was an amazing mom in addition to that, but gave back to our community in a really rich way. And I'm so thankful for that because she taught me that neither one, like you've said a few different ways, neither one should trump the other, but together there is a way to make Mm -hmm. both work. And I just hope, I hope that my daughter's And granddaughters don't have to think about it. They don't have to think about it really being a stark black and white choice, but that they can build the life that they want. Yeah. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Yeah, it would be awesome. I just hope it doesn't take 75 years. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, is there anything we didn't touch on that you want to add before we close? Oh, I think we've covered a lot of good ground. There's always more, but I think maybe I can come back and we can do another. (laughs) I would love that. Podcast sometime. (laughs) Well, thank you again for joining us today on the Livelihood Podcast. And I will be sure to share all your social handles. I love following you on Instagram. Thanks. So uplifting to see what you post. So thank you again for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Livelihood. Please share this episode with your friends and be sure to follow Livelihood on Instagram and join the Livelihood community group on Facebook. You can always find more info and episodes on livelihoodwithaway.com.